Welcome to the YPO Leadership Development Network's Leader of Leaders podcast series, hosted by Dr. Terrence Kamal. We engage in open discussions with our YPO members who share their leadership journeys, experiences, and lessons. We discuss everything from leading startups and family businesses to international multi-million dollar entities. We engage in informed discussions that include the successes, failures, struggles, and trade-offs in their journey. Hi, this is Terence Komal, and we're in the great pleasure of Juliet O'Fairley, a great friend and peer in YPO based in Cape Town. Juliet, thank you for making the time. Thank you very much for inviting me. Great. Juliet, obviously the world has changed in the last couple of weeks with the COVID and Corona crisis, but before we even get to, to the amazing discussions we've had around how you and your businesses have repurposed in these, these, these changing and what we would call the new normal times, tell us, tell our peers what you do and where this all started. Okay, perfect. Um, I was uh, born into a family where publishing was sort of uh, in the blood. And um, my mother actually started the first women's magazine in South Africa. It was called Fair Lady still going today. And, um, and a lot of the talk around the dinner table was all, always about media and particularly women's magazines media. Um, I studied at UCT. I then went to work in advertising. I didn't go to work in the family business for a while. Um, and then I went overseas to New York and I did my master's at NYU University, which was a fantastic experience. Um, obviously, being exposed to a lot of different mediums there because you could do internships at the Joan Rivers show and also Ogilvy Mather. Um, I did a a stint there as well as an intern. So um, I've always had a passion for media. And at the point after I finished my master's, I came back and started working with my mother in the family business. And I've been in the business for 28 years. I've worked in every single area of our business. Um, which I think is is really important because it it gives you a lot of exposure to the different um, skill sets that are needed to put together, you know, a, a woman's magazine. And um, we've had to reinvent ourselves, obviously, over the last few years, being an industry that was already under a lot of uh, transition and disruption. Yeah. And um, we we we've basically gone from one medium in print over the last few years to eight mediums per brand. So um, all of our brands now have got obviously a fully fleshed out ecosystem of um, different digital platforms, which all work together with the um, printed product. So in the old model, you used to have this, this one product, which was a physical product in print, and that product went out to market. It went out on a frequency of, say, a monthly basis or weekly or whatever brand frequency you, you were utilizing. And now you've got uh, a completely different skill set that's needed by your teams to produce content 24-7. So every single moment, there are 100 million conversations that are being you know, pushed out in terms of your brand and you're engaging with your, with your audience daily. The great part about it is not only do you have an opportunity to have many more touch points with your audience, but you also um, can measure everything. And we didn't have that in the past. So now you can offer a lot lot more value to your partners, your advertisers. So um, I think it took a while for 
people in publishing to kind of um, introduce uh, the right type of skill set into their their businesses to make sure that they were very relevant and that they could also provide um, a sustainable business model. Um, so, in other words, transitioning from traditional uh, publishing and print to multi-channel publishing, yeah. and events are events are a massive part of our business. So, the reason why I'm providing this context is to um, sort of segue into the challenges that we've had over the last few weeks. Indeed, indeed. But very quickly, before we with, move, Julia, sorry, is is is. Tell us some of the titles that you currently lead as, as a publishing house and as, as a huge corporate uh, institution. Uh, so we have, we've published many different brands in South Africa, amongst them and still publish Cosmopolitan and uh, Good Housekeeping and House and Leisure. We have another product which is aimed at women who want to or are interested in buying cars called Woman on Wheels. We have a lot of offshoots from our brands like Cosmo on Campus, which is a product just directed at... Um, at students on campuses. And over the past few years, we have published Marie Claire. We've published Oh, the Oprah magazine, which was a fantastic opportunity. We did that here for 12 years um, yeah. alongside Hearst International, which is a publishing company in New York. Um, and we have, yeah, we used to publish a magazine called Femina. So we've obviously launched quite a few brands and we've sold a few and we've obviously had to close a few, which is always very unfortunate and difficult. But at the end of the day, you know, you have to make these kind of decisions um, and remain very relevant with the audience. Yes. So a brand like Cosmopolitan has been an absolute market leader because it always has spoken to a very much younger audience. So an audience that was very digitally savvy and yes. an audience that was very happy to move to digital platforms. But remember, this has taken a while to not just understand how to produce content that's appropriate, how to understand the user experience on every single one of these eight platforms, but it's also taken a while to take our advertising partners on that journey with us Correct. and get them to understand that, you know, this is, um, this is how we could take a concept that would have traditionally played out in print and now roll it out across the different platforms in different ways. As I said before, the fact that you can measure engagement and reach in a way that you never could before, I think provides them with a lot more peace of mind that they're actually getting better traction and better ROI on their advertising spend. I was going to just say a little bit earlier that events have become a huge part of our business. Um, we run 27 events a year. So there's still, and there was before self-isolating and before um, COVID-19, yes. um, a very big desire for our audiences to be in the room with speakers, to engage, to network. And um, again, Cosmo as a brand has managed to run incredible um, workshops around careers and they call Cosmo Hustle and workshops around influencers. So really just taking your brand and making sure that you are tapped in. So obviously now that we are all in lockdown, you are no longer able to run events. And yes. events in our business model provided 40% contribution. So, yes. you know, this is one of the sort of um, blows of the current situation that we find ourselves in. You can run a lot of events online, but um, you can't really charge people. I think um, our teams feel very strongly that a lot of people are, are out of work or 
um, are under a lot of financial pressure and they don't feel comfortable charging um, our audience to actually listen in. But again, going back to one of the brands like Cosmo, they've had these amazing house parties. They've had DJs playing, which is all for free. So anybody can access that content. They've had Q&As with their latest um, cover, which has got the three uh, leaders in Africa on TikTok, which is a huge platform, you know, that's very relevant to the Cosmo audience. Yes. And they've done Q&As with, with the um, three uh, influencers who are on the, cha- on the current cover. Um, and I think it's all about collaboration and finding partners where you are, you know, very aligned in terms of your object- objectives. And I do think that being in media almost is is one of those very sort of um, special industries where you find people are incredibly passionate about what they do. And um, you find that there's almost like a sort of an entertainment value. Um, and it's all around the tone of your brand. So you can communicate a message to your audience. You can, you can influence a lot of decisions in a way that's appropriate to your brand. But what I found is it's so important to work with like the best of the best. So really exceptional creative people because there's a lot of content out there in our world. Um, It's highly competitive on a global basis and you are required to be producing something that creates enough spotlight around whatever it is your purpose or whatever it is your concept um, in a way that competes with, every single social media platform. So it's a very competitive industry. It's a very dynamic industry. We've had to have an extremely agile mindset, which a lot of people talk about. Um, But I think once you've lived through reinvention of your business, it was almost like, you know, flying a plane and you had to refuel midair. Because the the threat of um, digital sort of was coming at this traditional business model. Um, So I think that. We are used to reinventing ourselves, which is which is the good news, um, and we are already coming with a very agile mindset. However, this current situation that we find ourselves in has really led to numerous new challenges. For example, we are not able to print our product in its physical form um, because printing is not deemed an essential service. So we are not able to print the next issue. We are also not able to distribute the issue to uh, the outlets. So just before lockdown, uh, our brands went on shelf. However, they then were debating in a lot of the retail outlets, the ones that were able to sell magazines, whether or not they should sell magazines as an essential service. And a few of them decided not to. So they just covered up the magazine space. So now you've got a product which is highly costly to produce, Print remains a highly costly way to produce a brand. And you've got this product sitting on shelves in lockdown where people are going to go to the grocery stores and they weren't able to buy them. You're not able to print your product and you're not able to distribute your product because your distributor is not deemed an essential service. So one of your main uh, revenue streams is is ultimately closed off. Obviously, Uh, Another revenue stream would be marketing and advertising services. And understandably, with what's going on in South Africa, take, for example, retail, this is um, a sector that is under enormous pressure. And they've obviously stopped advertising because 
well, I mean, it's quite obvious why. So, you know, your pipeline dries up, um, yet you still have very high overheads and you have, you know, obviously a business model, which is under a lot of pressure. So it's been quite tough and we've had to make a lot of tough decisions. Um, but at the same time, you know, you almost realize um, when you have to make these kind of tough decisions, um, the choice is taken away from you. you. You no longer are in a situation where you can sit around and ponder. Yes. You really have to be, um, every day counts. And I remember, you know, reading um, a letter, you know, um, from the Amazon CEO, and it was actually about two years ago, but the whole letter was around every day counts. And I think that is more important now, more relevant now than ever before. We just are not in a situation where we can sit at home and um, not actually take decisive action, especially as a leader. Um, I think you have to be visible. You have to communicate with your staff. Um, you have to share the relevant information so that people are not isolated from the truth. And then they get the biggest shock, which is um, also very difficult for people to absorb, you know, sitting at home, not in a situation where they're together as a team. But you have to be clear and um, really make decisions where there's so much uncertainty and you can't put the entire business at risk without making these decisions, not next week and the week after, but actually today. Correct. Correct. Julia, obviously in the space you're in, the analytics has been a huge influence in what you've done from what I understand in your multi-platforms and repurposing. How has that played a role in the current circumstances for your businesses to stay agile and adapt to the dynamic environment? Well, I think the one thing that we've always had, um, which was an advantage, is that we um, basically, you know, have our audience has always spoken to us on a regular basis. Oh. And they're very happy to share information and how they feel, um, which is great because when you have high engagement, that's very valuable. So the thing is that um, we understand our audience and what our audience needs because we've been creating content for women for 38 years. Yes. Um, and I think it's really about um, providing, you can provide um, a lot of valuable tools, for example, researching that audience. We ran a millennial mom's survey of the brand Good Housekeeping, and um, the survey was, um, it went live, um, and within one week, we had 3,100 people responding to us about how they, you know, how they are living as a millennial mother um, in South Africa today and what's important to them. And, you know, to gather that kind of information um, in a survey shows a level, high level of engagement, but it also gives you a lot of um, information that then, you know, you can use, use to inform your strategy going forward, either as a brand or as a medium. Um, so at the moment we're doing a Corona survey, um, and we're doing, we want to test, um, how, how our audience is feeling and what they are doing and what they are needing. And we, we start, we're going live with that on Wednesday this week. Um, so I think it's all about, again, coming up with what is relevant now, what would people be interested in finding out more about? Um, you know, audiences in general. And when you have access to an audience of your brand platforms, um, you have the ability to to sort of do a temperature reading um, because you've already got that audience built up. Yes. So 
you know, it's like anybody can launch a brand, but to actually um, launch a brand that's trusted and for that brand to have a trusted relationship with an audience of significant size. That's what we've done as a business over so many years. So now it's really about how do we engage and supply our audience with content that they still enjoy and is very relevant to them so that when we ask them a question, they're happy to engage and share that information. And that provides another area of our business, which is research. Okay. So do you actively manage research as part of a business vertical? Yes, that's one of our business verticals. And um, we're doing quite a lot of amazing work, actually, with different clients um, around research and researching. We've done a lot around money, for example, and how people feel about uh, money and in particular debt, uh, because that's a very relevant area for South Africans. Um, It's a stress area. And how do people feel about money? And it's quite interesting, especially with the Cosmo audience, how they almost feel like, you know, it's, it's like they have to break up with the, you know, break up with money at a certain point because they get themselves into debt. And a lot of the insights that we got from that, we will share with our clients freely because that provides more value for our clients uh, as a partner, you know, on our side. Yes, yes. Tell me, Julia, on, on being able to pivot, obviously, in times like this and being able to adapt to changing times. Essentially, you, you mentioned uh, when we were talking offline about how other life events have helped you shape your businesses and what you do. For example, your kids and, and those kind of important life milestones. Do you want to share on how family life has had an influence on what you do as a business? What I found being in a family business over uh, the last 28 years or so, um, it's absolutely amazing how in many ways being in a family business can be an enabler. Um, but in other ways, um, when you're not in a family business or you're in a, like, for example, I'm in business with, with my mom now, just the two of us. Okay. Um, and she is 83 and she still comes to work. Uh, well, when we can go to work, of course. Indeed. And, um, and, but she's not operationally involved. So she's more like, um, involved from an ambassadorial level and but she still loves coming to work and it gives her purpose and she's obviously got a lot of value to add as well over you know having so many years of experience so it's essentially you know the two of us and um, my father exited the business a few years ago and my sister also exited the business and went off to do um, an incredible uh, project called The Village on Facebook um, which she now runs and it's her baby and um, it's very successful and um, we often collaborate as well between our brands. Yes. Um, but, you know, when you are running the business on your own, um, you really, and funding the business and funding it through transition, um, I really learned a lot of um, super hard lessons, which when you're in a broader, bigger family business, I think you're more protected you know, um, and um, you learn different lessons. So, you know, both were worthwhile, but, um, and I suppose all led me to this point. But at this point, I'm, you know, running the business as as the CEO with my mother as chairman, and we have a small exco, and um, it's allowed us to be very dynamic, and that has been an advantage, you know, in times of change. Um, but I did have um, twins when I was a little but late, uh, later on in my life. So I, I was too busy working before. Okay. And um, 
I suppose, you know, family is very important to me. Um, I think to a lot of people, it's, it's, it's really what holds them together. So, um, but you've got to try and attempt to get a balance in your life. And that is a challenge. I must say being a working mom has been quite challenging. I grew up with a working mom. So for me, that was my role model. And, um, you know, I think I've, I've, I've kind of managed okay. So I, I suppose I, b- I believe in the fact that if that's the role model for your child um, and you are um, fulfilled in many different areas, that's providing them with a good example. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, I think when you are a bit of a, um, a type, um, you know, you just keep going, you keep pushing, you want to be doing everything. You don't want to give up on any experience in life. Um, and also belonging to YPO, which is an incredible opportunity and an incredible network. And I've, um, really, uh, hugely benefited from being part of the organization, um, especially on the mentor side. I, th- I really believe in mentorship um, from a personal point of view, and I've experienced it firsthand through YPO, how incredibly valuable it can be um, and how, um, you know, I was lucky enough to be mentored by Gareth Ackerman uh, for a period of about one and a half years. And um, he really helped me change a lot of the um, perceptions and and ideas I had in our business, as well as also, you know, from a family point of view and balancing um, out, you know, uh, where you put your energy and also, um, you know, I think really helping with a lot of fundamental life decisions. So having that structure of mentorship, I would highly, um, I would highly, you know, um, recommend to anyone who has that opportunity in YPO to, to look at mentorship. Um, and and see if they can find a perfect match um, because they find it very beneficial. Okay, fantastic. Tell me, Julia, in some of this this journey that you've had, and obviously with trying times now, what has that done for you as an individual? In 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 if we call it our me, my, and us space, in the me space, what has that done for you as an individual? In terms of this particular time right now, correct. I think it has reset the clock. Um, I think that the the sort of shock of changing your whole um, routine and modus operandi has kind of now settled in slightly. So um, it's it's actually given me um, a new perspective, obviously, on working from home. Um, I think working from home has got a lot of value, um, but I also believe working in an office environment has got value as well. And I think that they should be utilized in conjunction with each other. It's been amazing for me to see how our teams have completely just picked up this ball and run with it. And I'm very grateful because I do work with, uh, you know, exceptionally creative people who are all um, managers of themselves and very passionate about what they do. So there hasn't been a need for micromanaging um, the, the team leaders have all managed their own teams. And I think what I've realized is people need to feel busy. People want to feel busy. They want to feel like they are doing something constructive. Um, okay. People feel very unease, uneasy if they are not constructive. Um, so, yeah, I think it's from a remote um, working point of view, there have been a huge amount of lessons. Um, 
And I think really just also learning experiences about learning a lot of new tools, applying them to your business, really immersing your brands in a fully digital only space. That's been the biggest learning. Fantastic. Tell me, so, so my understanding is then remote work has been successful, but you also see the value of the direct touch points. Is that, am I understanding you correctly? Yes, I definitely do. I think that a lot of people, you know, get almost like um, they bounce things off each other. And I know that the energy in our office is almost infectious or contagious. And we shouldn't say contagious in this day and age, but it's infectious <laughs> in, in a good way. Indeed. In the old days, before, before the coronavirus. Um, and, um, you know, people kind of like to thrive if um, they come into a workspace where um, people are sharing ideas and um, it's very supportive as well. And I think um, a lot of the, the teams that we have are, are mostly women. So at the end of the day, it's a very supportive environment. We already had a lot of people who were working in flexi time. So that wasn't particularly new for us. But I think the main thing is, you know, how do you get the most out of people? So how do you play to everybody's sweet spot? Um, and how do you support people who are now working from home, yes. isolated from the rest of their team, to remain uh, feeling as part of a team? Um, so how do we do that? You know, you've got to have regular meetings. Um, you're obviously utilizing you know, platforms like Zoom or Skype or whatever it is. You know, I meet with my team every day, my ex-co. And um, I think that's really helped us because you feel like you're in this together and you also are in a daily check-in with your team. And that's been very um, important from a psychological point of view. And I think also celebrating the small wins. For example, sharing... Um, a lot of what some of the brands are doing and seeing the engagement that they're getting and seeing the response. So how many people are signing up for the digital events? Um, that's been very gratifying. And just seeing the teams almost thrive in the toughest of circumstances um, and acknowledging how lucky you are to work with people who um, are very resilient and They've had to be resilient because they've been in an industry under pressure. But now, again, they are showing resilience. They are showing how to be entrepreneurial, um, how to rethink this, this problem and the situation and come up with solutions and um, remaining committed, remaining passionate about what they do. And it's very gratifying to be part of um, teams that work in that kind of way. Exactly. I think that positive energy is a huge thing. But on that note, Julia, you know, we've had various discussions with peers in various sessions recently that besides the mental support, the emotional support and the work, there's been a massive strain on cash flows in our businesses. How are you weathering the storm or the current circumstances as a business? We are under incredible pressure because, as I said before, we don't have the revenue stream coming through from print as we would have normally. So circulation of the printed product still provides us with a revenue stream. And that has almost been cut off um, yeah. because we can't put any of our product out there because our distributor is not working as the deemed non-essential service. Um, and we can't print any more product. 
So, and we can't really charge for digital um, in the way that we would charge for print. So essentially you still have a hugely high overhead cost and your revenue streams, including circulation, including advertising and marketing spend has almost completely dried up. So I would say that, um, a lot of industries are under pressure, but that's where we are finding that the revenue stream is just not there. And um, this is going to lead to some very tough decisions. We are streamlining our business, looking at ways that we can um, cut anything that is non-essential in our own business. Um, So, you know, for example, we were utilizing a workflow system and we've just decided we, we can't afford the luxury anymore. So obviously that's, less revenue for the, the system that we used to use, you know, and they were good, but we couldn't justify keeping the system on because that's another X amount of revenue, you know, that you need to bring in to cover that cost. Correct. So, um, look, uh, we are under uh, an extreme amount of pressure and we are having to look at like how to cut costs in our business. And those are very, very difficult decisions to make. Um, but you have to look at, trying to keep your business in survival mode. Um, And I know that with a lot of CEOs now, it's about survival. You know, how are we going to get through this? How are we going to pop out on the other side whenever that, you know, time comes? So how do we make sure that we are sustainable as a business, but that means operating a hugely streamlined operation? And... um, and just relooking every single thing actually on a daily basis um, and coming up with better, more efficient ways of operating as a business. Um, and it's, it's tough. It's very tough for, um, I think, everybody, everybody in South Africa and in the world right now. And I think a lot of people are going through similar cost-cutting exercises. Um, and they are not nice exercises to go through. But you are not alone. Um, And I think that you've got to sort of try to keep abreast of um, the situation as much as possible. Try to declutter the amount of information and read and learn as quickly as you can on your feet how to um, structure yourselves as best as you can for the way forward so that when we do come out of this, um, and we're going to come out of this in a completely different form. We yep. are going to not be the same business that we were going into lockdown. We yep. are going to be a different business coming out of lockdown. Um, but that doesn't mean that there isn't opportunity. There will always be opportunity and you've got to be um, ready for that opportunity. So even while we are in lockdown, we are working on projects that um, we will take live as soon as we come out of lockdown. So it's all about kind of like keeping your um your usp your you know your special source as active as possible keeping your teams as engaged as possible um in our case as creative as possible um validating and auditing any project that we're doing as we would like with intense scrutiny so um i think that's one thing that working remotely has done is it does allow you peace and quiet you're not commuting you're not running around like a little buzzy bee, you know, um, and, and actually wasting a lot of time sort of getting from A to B. You are effectively um, auditing everything you do minute by minute 
um, when you are awake. And I find from, you know, the moment you get up in the morning, you're thinking about how and what needs to be done and how to improve and what's the next project and, you know, um, getting your teams galvanized to make sure that we really are properly set up um, for almost the future. Yes. Yes. And on that note of the future, Julia, you know, we are all this in this together. But the challenge is, it's going to be a very different world. And we don't know when that that exit point or, or adjusting to a new normal would be. But on that horizon, we see it as most likely positive. Where do you see the business world and your business world in the next couple of months on a long term trajectory? I think that, that you know, like in any hard time, you will see some brands in our particular space that have done a better job than others, that have managed to um, transition themselves and remain relevant. And I think that at the end of this period, um, there are going to be some successes and some failures. Um, I think that there are going to be um, more businesses closing and that's going to impact on us directly. Um, I think the pressure on retail will impact on us directly. So I think that what you will see at the end of this is the businesses that have managed to be robust and managed to be resilient and managed to remain relevant. Those are the businesses which will be able to pick up, you know, operating quite quickly. And we'll all be on the back foot. Absolutely no doubt about it. Um, it'll be about collaborating collaboration is going to be more important than ever. So yes. it's really for me about understanding um, from a partnership point of view, what your partners need, what do they really need and how can you work together in a win-win situation? And um, so I think it's remaining in touch during this period of time with your key partners and just keeping um, abreast of, you know, where they are in terms of what are their challenges? What are their issues? Because only if you are in touch can you understand through listening and understanding um, where you can possibly support and work together in partnership. And yeah. at the end of the day, a magazine medium is a partner for a, it's a brand partner. So we need to be sure that at the end of the day, we are, we are ready to go. Um, we understand what our client and our partners um, immediate and urgent need sets are, and we understand exactly how we can help and support them because that's going to make us relevant as a business partner. Indeed, indeed. Juliet, thank you so much for making the time and then us chatting. And I look forward to, to us engaging again in the near future on, on where things have changed and, and the positive outcomes. Hopefully all about the positive outcome. Indeed. <laughs> thank you, Taryn. Thank you for joining us. In the next show, we share more insights and discussions with members in the YPO Leadership Development Network's Leader of Leaders podcast series.